0: Good morning, Freedom Center. I am beyond excited to be with you this morning. Oh, man, Pastor Jim and Dina, thank you so much for trusting me. Come on, that takes some trust in Jesus to invite somebody to your pulpit on a Sunday morning that you've never heard preached before, right? So. I'm excited. Pastor Jim and Dina, everybody that we know that comes from this house, that comes from FCMA, that has been on staff here, that's even just attended here for a year, are such high-quality people that love Jesus and make me better, and that speaks volumes to your leadership and the kind of church that you're raising up and the kind of staff. Would you guys clap for your pastors? Awesome. Well, they told me I could walk on the runway today if I want, but I said, you know what? I think I'm just gonna stay on the stage this morning. I said, if I start walking on the runway, you will really know the Holy Ghost is moving in a powerful way um, this morning. Well, I am a female. I am Italian. I was raised in a Pentecostal home. So the first mistake was that they gave me this headset so I have both of my hands free to help me talk this morning. The second thing is that thankfully they gave me a time limit. So this morning I am going to jump right into my message because I already can't wait to get until the end. I can't wait to see what God's going to do at the altars this morning. I can't wait to see what God is going to do through this kingdom builder's Offering. So, this morning I am here with my amazing husband, Peter, and I want to start by talking to you a little bit and telling you about the things that God has brought us through over the past few years. I think a little bit of the things that we've walked through in the past few years has been a little bit of the reason why I was asked to come this morning, um, because you don't want to hear somebody preach to you about a miracle that's never needed a miracle before, right? So um, so me and my husband, our anniversary is at the end of this month, and we will be married for seven years. And uh, yeah, you can clap for that. <laughs> I heard a comedian say one time, they're like, I like to tell people how long I've been married. It's like, it's kind of like my job. It's like, yeah, still work there. Um, You know, it's going good. (laughs) So we've been married for seven years. And um, like most married couples, about three years into our marriage, um, we were 24 and 25 and wanted to start a family. And so we began trying for a baby and we were very hopeful, we were very expectant. Um, We had nothing in our family history or in our personal medical um, history that would make us believe that that would be challenging, right? Like if you're like me this morning and you're walking through a challenge, you probably didn't expect that it would be you. You didn't think that you would be the one facing infertility, you didn't think that you would be the one diagnosed with cancer. You didn't think that you would be the one walking through the divorce or that your child would be the one not serving the Lord anymore, right? And so, so we began to walk through um, a very painful season of infertility. We went through an entire year of, of trying for a baby and, and nothing. And we still had pretty hopeful expectations um, as we went into our second year. And, and if you've ever walked this road before, um, you know that it's very extensive. It's very expensive. And so our whole second year of walking through um, infertility, We saw many doctors, many procedures, um, and then all of a sudden we found ourselves two full years into trying for a baby and looking the doctors face-to-face telling us, hey, you only have about a 5% chance of conceiving on your own. You're going to need to do in vitro. And again, if you've ever walked through that or know anybody who's walked through that, then again, you know that it's very extensive and very expensive. And so um, we began Walking through the process of in vitro, and because it's very controlled and expensive and intense, it usually works on the first try or two. So, we were very hopeful for our first try. We thought baby Reeves is finally coming, and we do our first in vitro transfer, and nothing. Okay, we have a little bit of hope left, and we go back and we do a second in vitro transfer. We put in two embryos this time Jesus, we know it's you. Nothing. And then we go back to our doctor, he said, Let's try a surgery again. We go back. Uh, To a hospital. At this point, we're seeing doctors in New York. So, on top of all of the medicine and the money, now we made eight trips to New York in one full calendar year, um, believing for our miracle baby. We have surgery, we go back, we try for IVF number three, surely this is it, this is the Lord, we go, we take a pregnancy test, it's positive, I go to the doctor to get my blood work, and they say your blood work looks terrible while you're pregnant, we can tell you right now that this pregnancy is not going to last. And so then on top of walking through almost two and a half years of infertility, we also now walk through an early miscarriage. And I was at this point I would love to tell you as a pastor that my, my, my hopes were so high. I was standing firm with Jesus. But I'm here to tell you this morning that I was absolutely hopeless. And I tell you that this morning to say that if that's where you are this morning, just lock in with me just for 20 more minutes. Because I'm telling you that your story is not done yet, even when you feel like your situation has hit rock bottom. There was a Sunday morning service at our church, and um, me and my husband weren't even supposed to be there. We were supposed to be at Winter Retreat. We're youth pastors at Mount Hope Church in Lansing, Michigan, just an hour away. And we were supposed to be at a Winter Retreat. We went up on Friday. There was something called a bomb cyclone that happened. And we had to, as quickly as we got all the kids up to Winter Retreat, we had to get all the kids back from Winter (laughs) Retreat in about 24 hours. So that Sunday morning, we're sitting in church. It wasn't even supposed to be a part of that service. We were supposed to be at winter retreat. Um, And I'm sitting in that service, and my pastor was preaching a message on idolatry. I'm sitting through the message. Um, I was really just still processing everything that happened from winter retreat and hoping we didn't leave a kid up at the mountains. Um, And my pastor played a song during the altar call um, called Clear the Stage by Jimmy Needham. Write that down while I take a sip of water. There you go. Clear the Stage by Jimmy Needham. He began to play this song, and I'm sitting in the front row, and I don't know if you guys know this, but the pastor's in the front row. We have breakdowns with Jesus too sometimes. And so I'm sitting in the front row, and tears are streaming down my face as the, as the, as the song gets to the second verse, and he says, take a break from all the plans that you have made and sit alone at home and wait for God to whisper. And man, did the tears start flowing. Because if you know anything about me or if you're anything like me, I am a planner. I love to plan. I have like three different planners at a time. I like to write the plan out and I like to highlight it as it's happening. And then when the plan starts to go wrong, I throw the whole planner out. I buy a new one at TJ Maxx, hello somebody. And then I make a new plan, right? And then I want that plan until it works. And here I am sitting in the front row. I did everything I knew to do in my power, spiritually and physically. We had fasted. We had prayed. We had prayed with everybody at the healing team. I even got to a point one time where I was like, maybe it's them. Maybe it's the prayer team on the left side of the stage. You know what I mean? Because I sit over here in our church. So I was like, these people are getting it wrong. I'm going over to the right side of the stage. Maybe it's the right side of the stage that has the real anointing. You know what I'm saying? When you just get to a place where you are so desperate for God to move, and you say, Jesus, fine. And I had to have this moment with the Lord, and I remember here, I told you I sit on this side. And so I was about right here at our altars, and I just began to weep. And I said, Lord, here's my dreams. Here's my plans. I don't know why you're not giving us a baby, but if it's not in your plan for me right now, I will lay it down And I'm listening to this song play in the background. Take a break from all the plans that you have made and sit alone with God and wait for him to whisper. Well, he didn't wait very long because I immediately heard him whisper to me, Joanna, you are wasting all of your energy. You are crumbling your spiritual life. You are crumbling on the inside, trying to bang down the door to conceive when the door to fostering is wide open. You see, when me and my husband were in college... We weren't even engaged yet, but we were high school sweethearts, and so we were dating all throughout college and knew we wanted to get married, and we were preparing to be in ministry, and we were sitting under the teaching of a children's pastor at the time who said a sentence that I will never be able to get out of my heart, and it's this. While she was talking about foster care and adoption, she said, the best way to make disciples is to raise disciples. And she started talking about, and I know I'm preaching to the choir here. I read all about Clara's house and, and, and all that this amazing church is doing for foster care and adoption. And, and I know there's people in the house who do that this morning. And um, so the Lord had already planted the seed in our heart before we even knew we were going to face infertility. But of course the plans that we had was that we would have a baby or two first. And then we would move on to fostering and adopting. And I knew in that moment that the Lord was asking me to reverse it and to lay down my plans in order to pick up his assignment. Matthew chapter 6, verses 30 through 34, specifically in the message version, became a text that I learned to cling to. Let's read it this morning. It says, if God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out you'll find all of your everyday human concerns will be met give your entire attention to what god is doing right now and don't get what, don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow god will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes isn't that good this morning church It says, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. And so it was in that moment that while I was praying for a miracle, I knew that God wanted me to be a part of a miracle. You see, this morning on Miracle Sunday Church, I am firmly believing that miracles are going to happen in this house. But when when we take off this kingdom builder's offering, God is also going to do miracles through this house. The title of my message this morning, some of you were like, that was just her intro? Yes, hold tight. I'll go fast. The title of my message this morning is the perfect posture, positioning ourselves for the miraculous to be done in us and through us. While my husband was walk, while me and my husband were walking through some of the darkest years of our life, struggling through infertility, and I'll pick up this story in a little bit and talk more about our foster care journey. Um... But we walked through a lot of heartache. You see, I wish so badly that I could tell you that when I got up off of the altar floor and heard the Lord whisper to me, lay down your dream to pick up my assignment. I wish so badly that I could look to you and tell you that I just miraculously had no desire to be pregnant anymore. That all of the scars and all of the wounds that I had had just been opened over the years from all of the pain and disappointment of infertility just vanished. But it didn't. We as humans sometimes still have to walk through that battle of trusting Jesus, while also still being human and feeling pain. And the Lord began taking me on a journey that has quickly become one of my life messages. I I weave this point into almost every sermon I preach. And the Lord began to take me on a journey to recognize that he will always be to me, Father first. What do I mean by that? I mean that in scripture, the Lord has many titles. He gives many analogies in scripture for our relationship right? He is master, servant, he's ruler, he's savior, he's shepherd, we're sheep, he's dad, we're kids. And while all of these titles are absolutely true about Jesus and in different points of our walk with him, it's appropriate for us to respond to him in those different manners. But what I realized is that when I say God, whatever the first title is that you think of is often will dictate how you view him, how you view theology, how you pray, how you worship in all and how you respond to him when you're in pain. See, I've noticed that the Lord had to do that work in me to realize that before anything else, he's my dad because if I go to him in a season of pain and think of him first as ruler, as master, as me just a part like a soldier in his army, then I will think that when I'm in a painful situation, it's my duty when standing before the king to suck it up. But when I realize that he's my father first, I realize that when I'm in his presence, he's not asking me to suck it up. He's saying, hey, you can pour it out. The first posture that we can take this morning to see the miraculous done in us and through us is with hearts emptied out. Can I tell you this morning, Freedom Church, that he can handle your honesty. One of my favorite quotes from Pastor Jeannie Mayo is that the enemy loves to layer shame on pain. So for those of you in the room, some of you are dealing with some of the most painful situations you've ever walked through. And now the enemy knows that the best thing that he can do to come in and make it worse is now also make you feel shameful for how you're handling it. You're not praying enough. You're not trusting enough. You're not speaking life enough into your situation. And there's a difference between speaking death over your situation and expecting the worst to happen, and there's a difference between pouring out your heart before Jesus. And I think sometimes in the church, with the best of intentions, can I tell you that I know that people have the purest of intentions, but when you're walking through a dark season, you realize people say some stupid things, right? You know? And so I realized that when we were going through things, and even down to me saying, hey, I, don't, I just have a feeling this, this cycle isn't working, or... Or something's not going wrong, and, you know, we always have those holier-than-thou people that are like, Sister, don't speak death over your situation, you know? I'm like, I'm not. I'm just telling you what I feel, you know? And so sometimes... Can I just take a big spiritual deep breath for somebody in the room? You're going through pain, and on top of it, the enemy has convinced you that the Lord doesn't want to hear your honest thoughts about it. Can I tell you that this morning, when these altars open, some of the most freeing things that are going to happen in this room this morning is somebody just kneeling in the presence of their father. I love Pastor Jim that you said that. but Father, we're just going to jump in your lap and hang out there for a little this morning. Because some of you need to know that if you are having a real conversation with your earthly father who loves you and he saw tears welling up in your eyes, he would not just keep talking to you about his agenda. He would stop, and he would take your face in his hands and say, what's wrong? Tell me all about it. This morning, some of you need to cross that threshold in knowing that your God loves you so much. He wants to hear from your heart and in your mouth what's going on, even if it's, Lord, I'm angry at you. I'm going to be real with you this morning, Freedom Center. Even if it's, Lord, I'm disappointed. Lord, I'm tired of praying for the same miracle. Because if you can get out all of your honesty before the Lord, that's when we get the response from him. See, if you're discouraged in the room this morning because you feel like you complained to the Lord, it's okay. Just hang out in the Psalms. Let me tell you some great uh, godly prayers that your old pal David prayed. In Psalms 142, verses 1 through 2, it said, I cry out to the Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out all my complaints before him and tell him all of my troubles. In Psalm 13, 1 through 3, it says, Oh, Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand turn and answer me, O Lord my God? And then some of us, we love, we we all want to be the David of the 23rd Psalm, right? We all aspire to be able to be David and, and say honestly to the Lord, you are my shepherd, I shall not want. But that's Psalm 23, I challenge you to go back and read just Psalm 22. You just go back. You just go back one chapter, and he starts out Psalm 22. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, why have you forsaken me? Okay? So the minute the enemy is start telling you that you're not a 23rd Psalm kind of Christian, you say, that's okay. I'm only one chapter off. You know what I'm saying? I want to read to you one quote from one of my favorite books, Present Over Perfect by Shauna Nyquist before I move on to my next point. There's a chapter in her book that's called Vinegar and Oil. My friend, Jerry, taught me something about prayer many years ago, and the image has stayed with me. She's a New Yorker, the real kind. Tough and beautiful, no nonsense and passionate. She told me that when you begin to pray, whether you write your prayers or speak them or form them silently in your mind, picture a bottle of oil and vinegar salad dressing, one that you'd find on the table of an old school Italian restaurant with a plastic red and white checkered tablecloth and a shaker of hot pepper flakes. The vinegar, probably red wine vinegar, rests on top of the olive oil, softly red, flecked with oregano. The green-yellow oil is at the bottom of the bottle, rich and flavorful. Jerry said that when you begin to pray, pour out the vinegar first, the acid, whatever's troubling you, whatever hurt you, whatever is harsh and jangling your nerves or spirit, you pour that out first. I'm worried about this child or I'm hurt from this conversation. I'm lonely. I'm scared. I don't know how this will ever get fixed. Pour out all of the vinegar until it's gone. Then what you find underneath is the oil, glistening and thick. We're going to be fine. God is real and good and present and working. This is the oil that women made in the Old Testament, harvesting and pressing olives for this rich green liquid. This is the grounding truth of life with God, that we're connected, that we're not alone, that life is not all vinegar, puckery, and acidic. It is also oil, luscious, thick, heavy with history and flavor. But you have to start with the vinegar or you'll never experience the oil. Many of us learned along the way to ignore the vinegar, the hot tears banging on our eyelids, the hurt feelings, the fear. Ignore them, stuff them, make yourself numb, and then pray dutiful, happy prayers. But this is what I've learned about prayer, is you don't get to the oil until you pour out the vinegar. Isn't that freeing this morning, church, that your heavenly Father loves you so much that he's not asking you in a season of pain to stuff all of your feelings down and just trust him, that trusting can look like, I know that you love me and care about me so much that I can sit at your feet and pour out everything that's troubling me. And everything i'm concerned about and everything that i'm needing for some of you this morning what you need to pour out before the lord maybe you're not asking for a miracle but maybe if you're honest with yourself and jesus this morning you haven't been as generous with kingdom builders as you know he's called you to be this year and what you need to pour out before the lord just be honest with him lord i'm afraid Get it all out there. I'm afraid that if I give this much, these bills won't be covered, right? Or or I'm just afraid, Lord, I feel like I'm dealing with a spirit of greed or or this is what I saw happen in previous situations. Get it all out this morning because this morning I know that God has miracles to happen in this house and through this house. It's the richness of the goodness of his oil, but first we have to position ourselves and pour out all the vinegar. The second point and the second way that we can position ourselves for the miraculous to be done in us and through us is with hands open wide, holding loosely to our expectations. When I think about holding loosely to your expectations while in the midst of believing for a miracle, my mind immediately goes to Abraham and Sarah. For the sake of time, I'll paraphrase, but if you don't know, in Genesis chapters 15 through 21, we read about a couple named Abraham and Sarah, and the Lord makes a covenant with them that he was going to make them the father and mother of many nations, except for they don't have a child. And it's easy to say that, yeah, well, yeah, they have Ishmael, and then they had Isaac, and and all these things happen, but what some people don't realize is that from the time God gave them the promise To the time that Isaac was born was 24 years. There was 24 years in between uh, the covenant being declared and the promise being fulfilled. And then even in the midst of that, there was messiness with Hagar and Ishmael. And that's a whole different sermon because he made a mistake, but he still blessed Ishmael. And, And then it goes on another 15 years. And then we see Isaac being born. Talk about not at all how you expected it to happen. Freedom Center, I want to encourage you this morning. I think one of the number one ways that the enemy robs us from believing for and seeing the miracle is because we are so consumed, not just with the Lord doing the miracle, but we want him to do it how we want it, when we want it, right? I told you earlier that I'm a planner. Down to the day, every time I did an IVF transfer, I'm like, okay, well, the due date would be here, and then this would be great because the birthday, and we could announce it on Christmas and all of the planning, Right? But the Lord says, hey, I'll do the miracle. Your job is to posture yourself with hands open wide, holding loosely to your expectations of how I choose to come through and when I choose to come through. I want to pick up my story from earlier. No, don't clap. I only have seven minutes. Okay. So earlier today, you can clap at the end. Okay. Okay. So earlier in the message, I told you that it was in the winter of 2019 when we felt the Lord say, hey, here's the green light you need to foster, and then it's about a six-month process to license your home and go through all the paperwork and, and go through all the training, and so then it's September of 2019, and again, Remember, we're holding loosely to our expectations here. We had one nursery set up with one beautiful crib. We had one car seat, one stroller, all the bottles. They call us and say, will you take two? I'm like, oh, jeez. So, and we learned in foster care training that there's a huge need for families to take sibling groups because like myself, it's easier to start with one. So they called us and um, after a little bit of praying, we felt like the Lord said, yeah, you need to do this. And so just later that night, um, I was standing in our living room, and I'm holding a seven-week-old baby boy. And on the couch is sitting his 17-month-old. That's right. That's, that, that's how close. Uh, seven weeks, 17 months, um, are sitting on my couch. And we signed a few papers, and the caseworker gave us a half a pack of diapers <laughs> and said, see ya. Um, and so we're sitting there, and we began our fostering journey. And even throughout that journey, if anybody in the room has ever fostered, you know, they kind of lie to you during training. And, uh, <laughs> and they say that, um, you know, most cases only take about 12 months. And, 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 you know, so you know how when you're going through something tough, you have that finish line. Uh, you know, you, you have the end in sight. And you feel like that's what's kind of anchoring you. And, and we get to the 12-month mark. And, and our little guy is, you know, we're, we're past his first year birthday at this point, and we done, we did all the hard work, and, and we're just like, Lord, we just want to know where to go. Because if anybody, whether it's with babies, or your singleness, or with your job, you know that one of the hardest places you could be at is just in limbo. You are know, like, Lord, I don't know. You wake up every day hoping an email will come through, or a phone call, or your phone will ring, or your boss will call you into the office, or the doctor will call you with some kind of different news. And... And so, we're sitting there in limbo and nothing happens at the 12-month mark and then somebody says, well, surely by the 15-month mark, you know, they really like the month 15 in the court system. You know, if a kid didn't care for more than 15 months out of 22 months, then you'll get some answers and we got no answers at the 15-month mark. And, and so, we continued going all the way until July of this year. So, just a few months ago um, where we had to do one of the hardest things that we've ever did and we transitioned our babies back to their mom. Um, and throughout our journey, um, we had caseworkers sit on our couch and say, hey, this case could look like it's going to adoption. And then, like, months later, they would say, hey, it looks like the kids are, are going to get ready to go home. And, and the expectations were just all over the place. And, and worship team, you can come. Um, not that I need any more reason to cry during this moment, but let's just get some, some good old keys going, you know, to just soften up this moment. Um, and so... It was in July of this year, after a 21-month period of the Lord really teaching my husband and I, hey, I'm doing a miracle through you, and you don't know what the, I don't know what the miracle is. I don't know how these kids end what the end of their story looks like. And, and if they needed a home forever, we were gonna do that. And if they needed to go home, even though it was the hardest thing we ever had to walk through, we were gonna do that. And there was many tears and a lot of hearts emptied out before the Lord and a lot of vinegar. And I almost felt like it was a trick, like I'm pouring out the vinegar. And I'm like, where's the oil, Jesus? Like, this is hurting. This is not at all how you ex- I expected you to do the miracle. And that leads me into my next part of this point Which is not only did I have to learn that if I was going to position myself with hands open wide, not only was he expecting me to hold loosely to my expectations, he was asking me to hold loosely to the things that mattered most to me. Even though I knew that foster care, the whole point we were preparing and helping mom to get them back, it doesn't mean that in my flesh I wanted those babies forever. They, they meant everything to me. And whatever that is for you this morning, that means the most to you. One of the most important parts of miracles being done in us and through us is having that gut-wrenching moment with Jesus when we say, nothing else matters but you. Even though I want this thing, even though I want this miracle and I want this ending, and the thing that matters most to me However you choose to do that, Jesus, I relinquish and hold loosely my expectations. And then, Jesus, you can have everything, even the things that matter most to me. Over the past few years, simultaneously while going on this journey of trying to start our family, while being on staff at Mount Hope Church, the Lord has also had me and my husband on a journey of generosity like never before. Um, Mount Hope Church is very similar to the Freedom House. I feel like a lot of people who know the church know that we're, we're very big on giving to missions. And we have been stretched more than ever before personally to give to missions, to give to speed the light, to give to just people to give to friends to give to family to give in our foster care system the lord has asked us to hold loosely to the thing that matters most to us and freedom said i want to challenge you this morning that as we go into one of the final big kingdom builder offerings of the year i know that when you read scripture if you're anything like me that when we see those harsh words of jesus say things like it'll be difficult for the rich to get into the kingdom of heaven we'd like to think he's talking about oprah bill gates all of the billionaires But I'm here to tell you that if you live in America, you are living in the top 1% wealth of the nation already. And so we have to have a sobering moment before Jesus today where we realize when he's giving us that challenge, when he's giving us those warnings, he's talking to me and you. You see, I've talked a lot this morning about my journey to become a mom. And if there's one thing that I really know now that I'm a parent, it's this. It's that if you really loved me, and if you wanted to bless me, you would take care of my child. The Lord a few years ago gave me this very vivid vision, and I don't say that often, of a parent who had a child who was starving, naked, in need, for whatever reason, was not in a position to know Jesus. And somebody came over to the parent it was like the parent's birthday and they said we just love you we want to bless you here's a car here's a house go on vacation and they're just lavishing gifts upon the parents right similar to things that we do in the capital c church not freedom center not my home just capital c church We can't think it's enough to bless our Heavenly Father with our worship and with our buildings and with our conferences and with our camps and with our campaigns and with all the things that are fun for us to lavish on Him. Because what I heard the Father saying in that vision was He was saying, I appreciate and I see the heart behind what you're giving me. But if you really knew me and wanted to bless me and knew that my child was in need, you would take care of my kid. I told you that the Lord's been taking me on a journey to view him as father first. And I don't get to just reap the benefits of knowing he's my father first. I also have to live through the consequences of now knowing that as my father, the thing that matters most to him are his kids. This is why in John chapter 21, we see a very real conversation happening between Peter and Jesus. And Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. A second time, Jesus looks and says, Simon, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, of course I love you. He said, then feed my sheep. A third time, Peter is irritated at this point, okay? He says, Peter, do you truly love me? He says, yes, Lord. Why do you keep asking me that? Okay, I added that part. And Jesus says, then feed my lambs. Right, This is a privileged Freedom Center that you are under leadership that is challenging you and pushing you to say, hey, locally, globally, influentially, in the future, we are going to be known as a house that takes care of the children of God. That has to be what we're known for. While you are known for in this church, you're known for many things, the worship and the creative arts, but I know, Pastor Jim and Tina that their heart is that this house would be known as a generous house, as a house that takes care of needs, that Fenton and Flint would freak out if this church ever shut down. Not the Freedom Center. They are keeping the city going. They love us like no one else loves us. They are generous like we've never seen. The Bible says you will know my disciples by their love. We read in Matthew 25, and I'm closing. What you, He says, then the king will say to those on his right, "Come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then those righteous ones will reply, Lord, When did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? We did, when did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, what you've done unto the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you're doing it for me. This morning, I'm I'm not even asking, I'm telling you when the Lord stretches you and drops a number in your heart during the offering later, you're not doing it for them, you're doing it for Him. Don't be so preoccupied with getting that you can't respond to God's giving in the Christmas season where culture is telling us that the end of the year is all about your wish list and what you want. Can the people of God not be so preoccupied with getting that we can respond to God's giving? He has blessed you, church. Even the person in this room who's struggling the most, he has blessed you. He is with you. He is for you. And if he asks to give it through you, he's gonna get it to you. This morning is about being brave. It's about trusting and saying, Lord, I want the miraculous to be done in me and through me. So this morning, I will hold my hands open, holding loosely to the things that matter most to me. And finally, because I'm a preacher and we have to do everything in threes, I don't know why, Pastor Jim, I was like, okay, so heart's emptied out, hands open wide, Lord, what's our final posture towards you? And I felt so clearly, the Lord say, that's it. Now I want to tell you what my posture is towards you. That if they tell the Freedom Center, that if on this Miracle Sunday, You will have your heart emptied out and you will live before Jesus with your hands open wide and his face will be turned toward you. I'm telling you this morning that when we live in obedience to the assignment, that when we trust Him as Father and we trust Him with everything that's going on on the inside and we hold loosely to everything that He's given us on the outside, that His face will be turned towards you. See, some things that I left out of my story earlier is that when it did come time for us to do in vitro something that cost tens of thousands of dollars, we felt prompted to share our story online and our friends, our family, and the church Gave us thousands of dollars in weeks towards our infertility. Almost none of it came out of pocket for us. And then something else I didn't tell you was that a month after we got our foster care babies was our last month that we could try in vitro before they were going to charge us another ridiculous amount of money and freeze all of our embryos. And we reluctantly went to New York for an eighth time in a year. And we now have a seventeen month seventeen month old beautiful <laughs> baby girl. In the nursery today because we were faithful to lay down our dream and pick up the assignment. Isn't that so cool that God does that? That when we seek first the kingdom of God, everything else will be added unto us. Some people shame and call it the prosperity gospel. I call it the response gospel. He responds to our faith. He responds to our obedience. He responds to our prayers. I want to tell you even more. Can you handle two more things and then we're going to flood these altars. Church, you can stand across this room. So we have our miracle baby girl, and then we get to the end of our foster care case. I'm telling you that um, that, that earlier this summer, what really the hardest months were of our life was May and June, leading up to July, because we knew for sure they were going home, but they were still in our home. So it's kind of that feeling of mourning somebody that you know you're gonna lose, but they're still here. And and it almost feels like at that point in your flesh, you just want somebody to rip the Band-Aid off because what was the hardest part was all the last, the last time that we thought we were taking them to church and the last time to see my parents and the last time, right, the last times are the hardest. And so during those months, I really, really struggled to feel that God was near there were a lot of tears, there was a lot of vinegar being poured out, and I'm saying, Lord, I know that you're good, I know you have goodness in here, but I'm struggling to find it this morning. And it was Mother's Day. And two weeks prior to Mother's Day of this year, um, to the date, um, was when our caseworker came in our house and told us for sure um, that the babies were going to be leaving. And they gave us this long paper of the transition plan with the dates. Um, And so two weeks later, I go to church, and it's Mother's Day. And I have all three of them with me, my baby girl and and our two foster babies. Everybody's wishing me a happy Mother's Day. And it was was just a lot of emotions. (laughs) And, um, And somebody came over to me. And handed me a Mother's Day card, and if I'm being honest with you, I didn't even know her first name at the time. Um, And I just slipped into my back pocket and went home that night, and we took our Sunday nap, and uh, praise God for Sunday naps. And woke up feeling a little better, and then we were going through my Mother's Day cards in the kitchen, and I read this. Joanna, praying for you on this Mother's Day and every day, over these past two weeks or so, I could not stop thanking the Lord for being your sustainer and asking Him to be closer to you than ever before. I'm not sure why, but I'll continue to pray this as long as He leads me. Much love. She said two weeks prior, the Lord had placed me on her heart. She, I didn't even know her first name. She had no idea what was happening. Those were the hardest two weeks of my life. She was praying for me. And can I tell you on the Sunday where I'm going to challenge you to give, and in a season where we were being generous, even when it felt like everything was being taken from us I opened up a check for a thousand dollars from her Somebody so obedient to Jesus to just say God sees you. That even in the middle of needing a miracle, you were faithful to be a part of a miracle, and he sees you. And Freedom Center, this wasn't just a word for me on Mother's Day, this is a word for this house this morning, that he's gonna sustain you, and he's gonna be with you, and even to the person in this house that needs a miracle. Don't exclude yourself from also being part of the miracle this morning. It's the beauty of our God that he responds to our faith. And lastly, I want to tell you that even though our babies went home in July, something that really is unheard of in the foster care community has happened where their mom has reached out to us and said, hey, would you please be a part of their lives? They miss you. I know that you miss them and in October they spend a weekend with us and in November they spend a weekend with us and I just got to hug their little necks yesterday and they're coming over next weekend and we're going to celebrate Christmas together and now we get to play a really exciting part of being a part of that whole family's miracle. I didn't have to lose my babies. I just had to hold loosely to my expectations the worship team's going to begin to sing. And and I just, I, I invite the prayer team to come forward. Some of you this morning you need to pray with somebody. You need to get some things out of your heart and join faith with somebody else. Some of you this morning just at your seat or notes at an altar need to pour your heart out to Jesus this morning. Some of you need to physically raise your hands up to the Lord and say, Jesus this morning I give you everything. Nothing else matters but you. I hold loosely to my expectations. I hold loosely to the things that matter most to my heart. I trust you and only one would you have. Come on. Would you just press in with me for a few minutes before you go home? This is a Miracle Sunday. There is a richness of God's oil waiting for you at these altars. I'm not even going to count to three. You just come now. Whoever needs prayer, whoever needs a moment with Jesus, would you just get on your face before him? Come on. Let's begin to sing.
1: And nothing else Nothing else, no, nothing else will do because I just want you, and nothing else, oh, nothing else, oh, nothing else. Oh, nothing else.
2: you know what, I I don't know what's happening. What's this come to the altar thing? The Bible talks about uh, things like impartation, like something I have that can be given to you because God gave it to me. I received it freely. I can give it to you freely. Sometimes it's like that, that if any among you is sick, let him call upon the elders of the church, which is who have gathered here today. Let him anoint with oil and the prayer offered in faith. The sick, the sick will recover. So sometimes it's just, I don't know, like, like it's good to hear God's voice. It's good to hear, but sometimes I need I need a physical touch. Does that make sense? I'm, I'm not going to point out anybody here, but it's really cool. Somebody walked forward, just fell into somebody else's arms and started praying. Like there's, there's that moment. So today, if you need something from God, but I'm not saying I have it. I'm not saying they have it. I'm saying he has it and he's generous. And if you got a need, it's healing, it's emotional, it's spiritual, it's financial, it's physical. It, you suffer from this, you're, you're dreading that. We need the body of Christ to minister Christ. Right? That's why the word became flesh in Jesus and dwelt among us. And that's why the word becomes flesh at these altars this morning. We're gonna sing that one last time. See, Pastor, the sermon's going a little long. I get it. And if you gotta go, drop your offering on the way out. But how many guys know some things are more important than making it to Denny's before the Baptists? And this is one of them. If you need something from God, you're still in your chair, you're in the wrong place. If you need something from God. And there's people that love you, that have a generous heart, that are mature, you're in the wrong place. It might take an act of courage or an act of humility, but take that step and let's minister the day. Let's, let's let Jesus do his thing. Nothing else will do. Come on, sing. Nothing else, else will. I just want you. I just do want you. Just want you. And nothing
1: else. Holy Spirit,
2: move in these altars. Oh, Meet the needs of else. our hearts. Our hearts cry out. Nothing else will do I just want you Come on, sing I just want you Nothing else And nothing else,
1: Jesus My
2: declaration of faith is in you alone, God You alone, God Nothing else
1: will do I just want you Cause I just want you And nothing else Come on
2: And nothing else Come and on, nothing, nothing else, else will do. Come on, saints. I
1: just want you. And nothing else. And nothing else. No, nothing else will do.
2: There's a place where nothing, nothing else, no one else, no other source, no other wisdom, no other knowledge will do. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed, right, are the, are the poor in spirit, for theirs, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We learned this recently. There's a place and a time where only God has the words, where only God has the power, the touch, the wisdom, the answers. And uh, boy, we are in those times. Many of us are really wrestling. This last week has been awful. And I, I'm, I just, I'm so grateful for that message, Joanna. Just pour out the vinegar. Just be honest. Pour out the vinegar. Looked at my wife the other day, and I said, I don't feel anything. I don't, I don't feel sad. I don't feel broken. I don't, so many things are happening. I don't feel anything. I wonder if that's okay. And I, I think what it is, is just a self-defense mechanism. Like, don't feel anything until after the battle's over with, then you're going to have PTSD. How many you guys know God doesn't want us to have PTSD? He, he wants us to have his presence. And it's okay in his presence if we're a little sad, or a little angry, a little hurt, a little confused. He's bigger than our confusion. If, if he weren't bigger than my confusion, he wouldn't be God. He's bigger than my confusion. I'm not the first son to complain about what's in front of me, and I won't be the last one. And I just, I just, I'm grateful for that word. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and underneath the vinegar, there's oil. I just love what I'm seeing in these altars today. God bless you guys for your faith, those who are serving, those who are being served, both of you. Beautiful day. We're going to receive uh, an offering, and we're going to do it the way that we always do it. On the way out, there'll be buckets. Dina says it every week. There's 27 ways to give here at Freedom Center, or something like that. It's a certain number. It's online, it's by envelope. There's a little card in front of you. But I I want you to know something, and I I heard this again and again, and I say this sometimes. Today is not a fundraising Sunday, today is a faith raising Sunday. And I don't know why, you know, certain things have a certain root. That have to be uprooted. Certain things have a certain value that has to be devalued. Certain things have no value that have, to, that have to be valued. But it seems like when God's dealing with me about stuff, one of the most practical ways to do it is with time, it's with, it's with friendships, relationships, and it's with resource. It's, I don't know why. I think if you're ever going to see me selfish, you're going to see me selfish with my time, right? Selfish with my friends. Selfish with my resource. And I, I just felt like the Lord yesterday, I was going through something, God just said, boy, you're you know, you're really selfish. I <laughs> no at oh, how encouraging. And God never would challenge us. He never rebukes us, never corrects us unless there's something better on the other side of our response. So I just, I encourage you today, don't raise money, don't raise money. Raise faith. I don't know if I can do this. Good, God can. I don't know if this is, good, take a step. I don't know if I'm gonna, what about, what, what if this doesn't, or what if that? Let me just know that when every, everything that God calls us to do, we respond with, but what if? We're not operating in faith. There's nothing wrong with asking the "but what if question. But understand at the end of that question, there needs to be a solid, but God is God. And God will do what only God can do. So we encourage your generosity. I love again what Joanna said. You're you're blessed to have leaders that push you in this area, that that move you towards faith. And I I just, when she said, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for Dina too. Grateful for Dina too we didn't know what Kingdom Builders was until five years ago and she said let's do this for two years and I said nah, I, I don't think I don't see I don't know and then okay we can do it but I don't think it's going to work and, and three years later millions of dollars have been raised and given away outside this house and we are known now today as a generous house that's growing in this grace this grace of giving so I encourage you we're going to pray and then you're going to do whatever you want to do the altar workers are going to stick around for a little while because maybe like I just want to stand in front of people then wait till the room's empty and, and come forward they'll, be, they'll still be here they would love to minister to you. Joanna, thank you so much for that word. Could you stick around and just do it one more time exactly the way you did it? Okay. Father, we thank you for an opportunity, not a demand, not even in this situation like some sort of a, a bold command, just an opportunity. You're doing something and we get to be a part of it or we, we get to let the pitch go by and not swing. Today, God, I pray that we do our best. Today, I pray we'd swing with everything we have. Today, I pray, not, not because that makes us greater or you're indebted to us, but, but because you are so generous and we want to be like you. Giving something that maybe we need ourselves, you know, it's, it's like forgiving someone who doesn't deserve it. it just, we'll never be more like Jesus than when we're generous, where we kind of have some rights not to be. But we did it because we're obedient, because we're humble, because we're, we want to be a part of what you're doing. So let your kingdom come your will be done, and we're grateful that we can be generous on this occasion. you told us to work until, to give until, to pray until, to believe until. We can be generous on every occasion. Those who can be generous now, God, and we're just grateful for that. Those who can't be now, may our generosity somehow affect their circumstance, that the next time this happens, they say, you know, the last time I couldn't, but then the breakthrough, the hand up, that the seed was planted, that the, the door opened, and God put me in a position to give. We thank you that we can. And now we will. Now we will. We will be generous because it looks like you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Any spiritual need in your life, salvation, healing is waiting for you here. As you leave this morning, God bless you. How many of you guys know, live long and prosper, right? Go get them. And we'll see you again real soon. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Don't give your best to Montgomery Awards. Are they still in business? Don't watch Andy Griffith.